0: Welcome to the Maze Marketing Podcast. This isn't another podcast about marketing tricks or hacks, but about building effective marketing systems, beating marketing overwhelm and communicating your expertise with your hosts Rob Drummond and Jonathan Wilson. Building a body of great testimonials about you and your work is a really important task. However, most customer testimonials tend to take the form of the success story. It's sickly sweet. It only talks about the positives, the good things that happen. And we know that that it isn't really the full story. So I'm really pleased today to have Justin Demers on. So Justin has a story approach to gathering and publishing testimonials that really build trust with your potential customers. Um, because they illustrate the story that your customers have been on in achieving the outcomes that you that you provide. So I'm um, really pleased to bring you today's call. Uh, let's jump into the conversation.
1: Yeah, Justin. So I wanted to talk about what uh, what we do with Social Proof. So Rob and I use a system that was originally developed by Perry Marshall. Uh, Perry calls it Maze 2.0. Our version, we call it Maze Marketing. Um, and the, the general idea it's it's very similar to Scott's ROI method which you're familiar with probably the main difference is Scott uses uh, trigger points a lot like somebody went and did a certain action whereas on, on our MA system what's baked into it is a series of sequencing that just trickles out over time so of course you, you can certainly combine the two uh, and, and I know you're familiar with retargeting in general but uh, the way we like to look at it is so for the last 10 years or more in internet marketing kind of the holy grail has been to run ads and get somebody to opt in to an email newsletter and then once they're on that email list well now you have fun for for years to come right but as time has gone on um, fewer and fewer people are willing to give their email address up front or, or at all and they they need to warm up right so if if, if they're out looking for something and they come across your business or you for the first time, they don't know you, they don't trust you. I know you're real familiar with this whole idea. Um and so what you can do is even if they're not willing to opt in for anything, you can begin to show them sequences of content that's that we like to look at it as taking what you would normally put in your email list broadcasts and move move it to retargeting content online. So that's that's kind of the the general framework. And so the I'm good at setting up all the time sequences stuff. That's my wheelhouse. Rob handles the content, but content is a real sticking point for a lot of people. So they know how to make their first ad or their first page, get people to the website and build one audience. But a lot of people stop right there. They've got like one general thing and they show one ad and that's it. Whereas we want people to be able to tell stories in their ads and uh but coming up with the content is a little bit of a challenge for people and social proof is one really excellent piece of content uh, you you know as you've talked about with Nick and others you can get in there and have your customers tell stories for you and get quite a lot of content that way
2: yes <laughs> <laughs> that's it you've answered everything, yeah, I everything
1: to say
2: on this podcast
1: but, but yeah the, I the, mean, the reason I, to keep listening is because like Justin <laughs> has the million dollar secret method of getting the world's best social proof content
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding but like yes you're right like inside your clients are stories and experiences that those that are sitting on the sidelines need to hear and so the sooner you can bridge that gap and kind of remove yourself almost from a lot of this. And it, it, the sooner you can do that, the sooner what we call as is the gift of going second starts to take place, which is those that are sitting on the sidelines are now getting the gift of going second and realizing, Hey, others like me have gone first. Even it's as if it's as simple as opting into your email list, right? Like others have gone first and seen benefit and And this is worth the, you know, quote unquote risk of giving you my email address, which obviously the risk is low. But in the day and age where everyone has 16 email addresses and they're using their name plus one at gmail.com, their name plus two at gmail.com and filtering things out like they're doing that because someone at some point has abused their inbox.
1: Yeah.
2: And and so what we need to show is like, hey, wait a minute, like we're actually going to respect it. We're going to respect you. And how do we show that? Well, we can't just tell them we have to show them that someone else has given us that trust.
0: So what are the ingredients of a, I mean, you mentioned stories a moment ago. Um, What are the ingredients of a good story, I guess, for um, communicating that someone has been there before you?
2: Well, the biggest thing is someone like me. And so a lot of people focus on, social proof and think the bigger the success story, the bigger the result, the bigger the, the end thing, the more attractive it's going to be. And what we like to say is, well, there's a couple things, but like one of them is people have like a BS filter and a me filter. Those are the two things that people make decisions on. Like the BS is like, are you going to scam me? Are you going to take my money? Are you going to uh, spam me? Are you like, you know, that type of thing. And then even if they get past the BS filter, there's still the me filter, which is like I am really good at talking myself out of making decisions that feel uncomfortable, that feel unsafe, that feel uh, risky. And and how I do that is simply by like justifying, oh, this isn't gonna work for me or oh, you know, I can't take this information and apply it or oh, this retargeting sequence is just way too complex. Like I'm not techni- technical, like whatever it is. And so what we like to say is like any story where someone can pass the BS filter and pass the me filter, they're likely to take that next step. And so in the case of, uh, you know, the, the me filter for like something as simple as an, as an email sequence, it's like, who is this email sequence for or uh, opt-in? Who's this opt-in for? And then literally showing, a simple little quick story underneath that of, of not, you know, this opt-in made me a million bucks, but rather like this opt-in provided me clarity on whatever the opt-in is designed to provide yeah. and showing a picture of that person is a me filter showing the name is a me filter showing where they're located is a me filter showing their job title is a me filter. Like however many options you give someone to potentially see themselves the, the more likely they may actually see themselves, the more act- the more they, they may realize like this opt-in is for someone like me.
0: Does that make sense? Do you ever get people to talk about things that they were worried about or things that um, they were concerned about, but then they found, you know, when they actually experienced a service that it was completely different?
2: Yeah. So we, yes, there's that. And there's also a concept that most success stories, and you kind of alluded to this at the beginning, right? Like, They'll put you to sleep and okay. there's a reason for that. Like when you go to a movie and that's my background, right? My, my background is in filmmaking production, telling stories for some of the mass, the, the largest brands on the world uh, to small mom and pop shops from feature length documentaries to like million dollar commercials, like I've run the gamut. And the universal like thread in, in keeping someone's attention in any film or any story is conflict. And most success stories are all rainbows and unicorns. They're like, I had this problem, and then all of a sudden, this person came into my life, and look. And it's like that's not how real world works. Like, yeah, Yeah. you may have found that person, but then there's going to be dips and valleys in that journey. And again, going back to the BS filter, people need to see that. They need to see that like this path isn't. A to z in a straight line it's going up it's going down it's going up and it's going down because we're smarter we're, we're smart enough to know that if all you are showing us is the good then there's something behind the scenes that you're not telling us
0: yeah it's it's like if if your success story is all sweetness and joy it's um it's like trying to feed someone an entire pack of skittles
2: all in one go uh, it's, it's just too sweet um it's, bo- it's boring yeah, Like if you, if you look at any movie and going back to movies, cause like we all watch movies, like the only thing that keeps you watching is the next like action scene or the next conflict or the next, like, you know, there's going to be an ultimate resolution they are either going to get the thing or they're not going to get the thing. But along the way there's these like dips and, yeah. and they get past one hurdle and guess what? Another thing shows up. And it's like, that's what keeps our attention. And you know, as a business owner, sometimes we shy away from that, right? Because we just want to show people the good stuff. Like, it's so great to work with us. But everyone's sitting on the sidelines. Like, not only do they need to see that it's work and it's going to be a struggle to get to the end result to actually, like, pass that BS filter. It also, what we like to say, like, filters the people who are actually going to do the work from the people who just want the easy solution and don't want to actually do any work. Because if you're showing people like, Hey, this is going to be a struggle. You're going to get there. Like that's why you're hiring me. That's why you're paying for my service. That's why you're, you know, you hired me to run your ads, whatever it is. Like, it's not going to be as, as quick and easy as you think it is, but you're going to get there. Then you actually get people who are like set up to be prepared for when those months come in and things didn't go as planned or when they hit that standstill or when Facebook, Shuts their ad account down, or when Google like oh, like, all don't
0: remind things. me, don't remind me. It's too painful mem- a <laughs> too painful a <of> memory.
2: <laughs> but really, it's that concept, right? Like, if all you're showing are the skittles, then you're not getting people who are ready to like actually go through that struggle. Of because building. the struggle
0: resonates with the people who are also experiencing that struggle, and until people are kind of experiencing that struggle, then they're maybe not great potential clients
2: yet. Hundred percent. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the type of, like, if you ever have a client who, you know, right when things don't go as planned, they're like freaking out, panicking, calling you at 1159 at night. Like those were people who, uh, they may not have been a wrong client or a bad client. And they may be a perfect client, but they were not set up for the path that was about to happen for them. And so we use stories, not as a just as a sales mechanism, but to kind of filter the people who we want to work with and the people who we are working with, just to set them up and say like, hey, again, gift of going second, like this is what's gonna happen. There's gonna be ups and downs, get get ready for it. If you follow the path, you stay the course, you will end up like our other clients. But if you jump ship early, you won't.
0: Otherwise you kind of end up working with clients who are looking for the goose that's gonna lay the golden egg. And then they realize that the goose isn't laying the golden egg. Um,
2: (laughs) If if you just focus on the BS filter too, you also get clients who are looking for a savior. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that we've noticed, the goose egg. Like if you're just showing the good stuff and you're just trying to like, uh, have those only those like star results, the top of the, Pyramid, and you're not showing any struggle or, or like any downside to working with you, or like just any like gaps in the journey, then you get people who are like like what you just said, which is in a lot of cases like you're their last savior. They're looking for that like get rich quick thing, like to not put any effort, to not build a real business, like all the things that you know we don't want in clients. We want people who are like in this for the long haul, who are building a real business, solving a real problem, providing a real solution. And, and that's just like, again, one of the ways you get around that is both the BS filter and the B filter.
0: Just going back to what you're saying about movies. um, I think that struggle and conflicts kind of lead to character developments and it's the character arc that really fulfills us in a story. So the change uh, that a hero goes through, the the, the internal change, that's, that's really what, what stays with us with the story, not. Not really the resolution. I mean, the resolution's nice, but it's not. It's not why why we remember the you know great movies. You know, it's not why why we remember you know Shawshank Redemption or things like that, where there's real change along the way. Yeah. Um. And I think by introducing conflicts um, and struggle, then you're kind of introducing it a micro element of that of that character change, maybe.
2: Yeah, it goes back to like there's a whole phenomenon that happens when you go watch. I mean, not just watch when you read books as well, but it's called narrative transportation. And it's just like this idea of you become the character. Mm-hmm. And so like when Superman is on screen, it's not Superman now all of a sudden it's you. It's why like your heart rate increases. It's yeah, like- It's
0: why we like, flinch when, when yes, he's about to take a hit. Exactly.
2: And so there are th- there's like the science behind that, which goes into things like mirror neurons and all those like nerdy things. But at the end of the day, like that is the power we have in going back to like the topic in our social proof is that we can transport our readers, our listeners, our viewers to feel like the people in these stories. And, and so that's a, a part of the conflict is actually like that person imagining themselves. Again, it goes back to the me filter and being able to like picture myself in that story, which is why, you know, one or two success stories isn't enough, which is why social proof isn't evergreen, like all these like things that are happening. But at the end of the day, that narrative transportation, that becoming that character is completely, like what happens in movies can literally happen in your testimonials.
0: Do you have like a specific line of questioning? So when you're maybe interviewing a customer to kind of pull out these stories, like if you just ask someone for a testimonial, they, they, they do not give you this story. Um, no. they're, not, they're not prepared to, to do that. So I wondered how you kind of went about doing that.
2: Yeah, so when you ask for a testimonial, you get, especially if you've like helped this client get a result which like, hopefully that's what you do. And so when you ask for a testimonial, they go into this, what we refer to often as like performance mode, which is like, I want to like help this person, this service provider, this coach, whatever, I want to help them out. So I'm going to say really nice things about them. What matters is not things about you. It's their story. It's almost like when you ask someone for a testimonial, they default to talking about you, which is not ideal. The prospects need to see people like them going first, getting the results and and living the life that they ultimately want and so w- right off the bat we don 't call it an interview; we call it a conversation
1: hmm.
2: and in the companies that that we start and run, and then also in the the you know in our teaching when we teach people how to do this it 's all about building a culture of celebrating your client wins. If you build a culture around celebrating your client victory, successes big and small short and uh, like long and fast, then what ends up happening is that that conversation around a testimonial goes from being an ask to a give. So instead of asking for a testimonial, we give our clients a platform to share their story to inspire others. And then that like little framing changes the entire dynamic. And then when we go to have these conversations, we have a line of prompts, we don't call them questions, prompts that are basically like story cues to really highlight that story, so that we're not we're not asking them questions that uh, you know elicit very short answers, but rather prompts that bring you back to the senses of that situation. It's so, like generous. an example would be like you know, uh, give voice to the conversation in your head before you da 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 da, da. and that or set the stage for whatever the, the following of the prompt is. So giving them various like specific type prompts that allow them to expand on more than just like the surface level. Right. But actually like bring us to that point in that decision or in that journey.
0: It's, it's like a generous prompt that allows them to, that allows them to talk rather than a closed question that doesn't, that leads them to just give you the answer that they you think you're after.
2: Yeah. And we don't send the prompts ahead of time. Like, so my background in film, you know, you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of interviews at this point, you know, the classic thing is like, Hey, can you send me the questions ahead of time? And the reason people ask for the questions ahead of time is they want to prepare. They want to sound smart, look smart, say the right things, not look dumb, all those things. But what it does is it turns it into a performance, right? And so what we want is a conversation. Would I ever go to coffee with my friend and say, Hey, i like, before we go have coffee, I'm going to send you a list of things we're going to talk about. Like, no, it doesn't make any sense at all. You just have a conversation and it's two way and I'm listening and I'm active and I'm participating and I'm pausing and I'm like, that's what makes for a compelling client conversation that leads to a testimonial that actually converts and tells the story and all the things that we've talked about so far.
1: I I want to go back and highlight what you said there a minute ago about the main This is absolutely revolutionary for anybody who's been in the internet marketing space and been doing this for a while, switching the whole uh, undercarriage, so to speak, of the testimonial from the usual, oh, Jonathan or Rob was so great, to just saying, like, I had this, I needed this, and then allowing the viewers to see themselves in that person's story about themselves. I mean, if, if you think about it, it turns testimonials completely on their head compared to what most companies are doing right and that is like that is a million dollar secret right there
2: it's it's the difference between having your clients feel kind of awkward about it right Mm -hmm. what we hear in a lot of our like clients before they become our clients is like whether they're dealing in sensitive industries or privacy or just like they're helping their clients get results but it's like an awkward thing to ask for a testimonial yeah. because it feels self-serving and that's because that's how most testimonials are they are self-serving yeah. what's ironic though is when you don't make it self-serving not only does it serve your client it actually serves all your prospects way more than a testimonial that just like you know makes you feel good about yourself
0: absolutely do you um ask for these things at a particular time so the reason i asked that is uh, i've run a series of live events in the past and i found that i can get you know pretty good testimonials if i if i capture them at the end of the events uh, as soon as people leave the events regardless of what they say and how well meaning they are it just doesn't happen
2: mm-hmm. we yes so there's a couple things there is a theory that we follow which is peak excitement so you want to ask when someone is at peak excitement and it's partly because you'll get yes but it's also partly because their energy is different right they're they're in the moment still and so when they talk about where they were before and where they are now they still feel where they are now if you wait too long when peak excitement drops down they're on to the next thing and so if that next thing isn't you right they're on to the next coach they're on to the next offer they're on to the next business idea whatever it is then even if they say yes, that what they say and how they say it is nowhere near as powerful. Mm. The other thing to keep in mind with asking or, the, or when to ask rather, or at least to have this conversation is just being mindful of, a lot of times people wait to the very end of a client journey because they think, oh, well, the client needs to have this big result before I can share their story. And the way that we look at that is simply, that makes logical sense. But in a lot of cases, that takes a lot of time takes a lot of time to get that person to that big aha moment. And what's interesting is if you look back at your client fulfillment or just your client journey, inevitably there are a series of peak excitement, just kind of a little bit smaller peak excitements and little wins, little milestones that are, are worth celebrating. And it's kind of twofold. One is if you actually bring attention to those micro wins, you kind of tap into this whole confirmation bias with your clients, and they, it's it's momentum generating, and it's kind of a flywheel, right? If they know that they're making progress, they just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, and the progress they make is bigger. But the other thing is, when you're sharing your success story, social proof with people looking in, those big stories, yeah, they make you feel good, and yeah, they, you know, they're they're attractive to some. They're also really freaking scary to a lot of people because it's out of the realm of comprehension. And it doesn't, a lot of times doesn't pass the me filter because they're just like, ah, there's no way I could have an eight figure business. I only have four clients. There's no way I could be spending $30,000 on ads. I literally just set up my pixel. Like that, that idea is scary. And so if your success stories are what we like to say, like fast act, uh, fast wins, so things that happen quickly, they may not be big, but they're fast, that's more relatable. So if I know in working with you after two weeks, I can already lose five pounds. It may not be the hundred pounds that I want to lose, but it's five pounds. That's a lot more attainable and a lot more believable than that big goal of like, you know, shedding a hundred pounds over the next two years.
0: If you teach someone how to play guitar, don't show them testimonials from the Beatles.
2: <laughs> yeah. What three chords, what progression have you learned? Yeah. Right. Even just how to hold the guitar properly so that it fits in your arm and, and comfortably. Like it, it's, it's amazing the things that actually inspire people to take action. As a business owner, we think, you know, we got, oh, I don't have enough testimonials because my clients are going through the process. I got to wait for them to get this big result or they've got to be playing, you know, a concert, right? Like I have to show the, my 10 year olds that I also help people like on the road with concerts. And it's like, no, that's actually, instead of that show other 10 year olds who can play three chords. Yeah, and that's more inspiring than a thirty-year-old on concert or, or in concert, or a twenty-year-old on stage.
0: Mm-hmm. It's showing some real progress that feels achievable to the person at the other end of the computer.
2: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Do you think there's an element of having a variation of stories that talk about different struggles, different different experiences?
2: Yeah, it goes down to who you want to serve. So, at the very root of Any offer, there are a series of objections that you that that person goes through between deciding on investing or not, and so there are internal objections, there are external objections, and there's just like sales process. However, you sell objections, and you need stories for each of those objections. And so, whether the objection is I uh, I can't lose weight, I'm over forty, or I can't, uh, go to this mastermind because I have a fear of flying, whatever it is, ultimately you have to figure out like who it is you want to serve and then what objections do they have? And then breaking those objections with stories.
0: How do you figure out what the objections are? Do you interview people or just like pick them up as you go along? Um, I wondered if there was a process behind identifying them rather than just deciding what you think they are.
2: So, there are going to be ones that are kind of like universal, right? Where like, w- like thinking about the types of people you work with, like, will it work for me? Uh, I don't have money. Or I don't have the money. It's like, it doesn't really matter what you sell. There's always gonna be the objection of money. That being said, if you are having these client conversations at a quick win, not at a big win, if those prompts around the quick win also include things like, Give voice to the conversation you were having as to whether or not this was the right time for you to invest in or how are you like how set the stage when you were deciding whether or not it was the right time for you to hire an ads manager what was going through your mind and almost always you will find the objections that people were thinking Mm -hmm. of and feeling before they made the decision in your current clients. That being said, if you're doing sales calls, if you're doing applications, if you're just doing you know, any, anything on the front end with sales, the, the common threads are gonna keep coming up, right? And what we like to say is like, those are the holes you should plug first. So if the common thread is this single, single objection that keeps coming up, then that's like the hole you need to plug first and then work your way down systematically. Yeah,
0: because there always are objections as well, aren't there? It's like, so I, um, I, I do a bit of uh, track running and you wouldn't believe the range the range of objections that my mind can come up with, not to go to the track. Like it's dark, it's raining. Uh, <laughs> like they they always exist. Um, yeah. Some some of them crop up more regularly than than others, I guess. Yeah. But you know, but you, but you can't argue that. Oh, my my customers just don't have any real objections. Like it just doesn't doesn't happen.
2: Um, yeah, it's one hundred percent. And like we have. Um we have a client, we have have a couple in the, in the fitness slash nutrition space. And so we have a, in the UK, a physiotherapist slash physical therapist. And like, you can imagine that someone seeking her is in pain and they know that it's going to be a painful process. (laughs) So it's like, it's not even like, so she's dealing with, you know, everyone from regular people to athletes who have injured themselves and they want to become, want to go back to their sports and all the way down to just like regular people who want to be more agile or, you know, their body isn't working as it used to when it was younger. And so you can imagine like the objections that she would have in getting someone through her doors. Like I, I, I I am asking you to pay me money to inflict pain on you for a long period of time before your body is going to be like, maybe to the point where it was before. Like that's kind of the sales thing, which is like a terrible offer in the scheme of things, but somehow people line up and pay for it. And it's like, why? And it ultimately goes back to what we're working with her on is people aren't going to her to fix their bones or their skeleton or their muscle they're going to her because when their muscle or bone or skeletons are fixed, they can do the thing that lights them on fire. Whether that's climbing mountains, scuba diving, playing with their kids, horseback riding, all those things. And so for her in breaking those objections, it's not pictures, for example, of muscles in alignment or like bones perfectly structured. Like that's, that doesn't make any sense. What it is is – these amazing pictures of our clients doing the things that they want to do. Yeah. Because if, if it's six o'clock or five o'clock in the morning and you're deciding like, do I want to go for a run? It's dark and raining. That picture of the, the that picture you saw in the office or the picture you saw in your track room, the picture you saw that your coach had that inspired you to take that next step is still in your head. And that those are the things that you're thinking about to you know, keep making forward progress.
0: It's almost like you need two elements. It's like you need the the, the part where you show them horseback riding or whatever it, the outcome is, because that's the resolution in the story. But you also need the conflicts and the objections and the and the five AM sessions in the gym. Um, but you kind of need both elements of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the journey. It Goes back to showing the messy stuff, right? Or mm. talking about the messy stuff. Like we we have an architecture uh, firm. And so we have these beautiful stories that we help them gather. And in a lot of cases, a lot of people will show like before and after, right? Like here's the ugly kitchen. Here's the beautiful kitchen. What they don't show is that living without a kitchen for six months is horrible. And when your house is down to the studs and there's there's no more stove and you're eating takeout and like that's the reality of hiring someone to renovate your kitchen, and so what ends up happening is if you don't show that and you don't talk about like that, this is a six month process, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be pleasant. And then what you get, again, going back to what we talked about earlier is like unrealistic expectations yep. and you get clients that are like, when is this going to be done? When is this going to be done? When is this going to be done? And so for him, we didn't want that. So, you know, part of the the stories that we're sharing with this client is literally the, the, the horrible photos of what their kitchens and bathrooms and houses look like mid renovation. This is what your kitchen is going to look like when it's down to the studs. This is what it's going to be like living in that situation. But then what we show is like, Hey, this, this architectural firm is going to set you up, to succeed in those stages. So we have little story anecdotes and pictures of them delivering food or saying that this person was like a therapist or at the process, like who in their right mind refers to their architect as a therapist, but like, that's kind of what you need is someone to talk you off the ledge when you're six months into this and you're like, why did I make the worst decision in my life? And I can't even make like something in a microwave. Like you need that. So it's exactly right. You need the after, but you also need that messy middle. And the messy middle really makes the
0: the outcome seem, oh my God, like, you know, that's like all the more stunning.
2: And worth it. Mm. Like if you just get something, like it's not, like it's not nearly as fun as like going through, the, again, it's like conflict of the movies. Like you want to go through that struggle because when you get to that end, you're like, this actually mattered. Like it means something, it carries weight, it's worth it. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a process. It's a journey. It gives so, you
1: a real three D perspective of the whole thing, right? Like, wow, there's there's actually some action and and changes that are going to happen here, rather than as you said earlier, just this straight flat line. You you start at A and magically wind up at Z with no effort one minute later. Everybody knows that doesn't happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and if that does happen, it's like, was it like, is that actually the outcome? Like, is is Z the uh, is that the actual end, or is like was there? You know another crest or another peak in the mountain because like that's that can't be it. Like I can't live my life and think that I've like that's it. It's,
0: it's like is there another Star Wars film after this peak at the end of the mountain like, you night? Know? <laughs> yeah. Probably <laughs> I, um, I was wondering so um in the past I've had my assistants kind of interview clients in this manner for me. And some, one of the reasons that I've done that is because sometimes my clients have felt it's easier to talk to him than it is to me when they have worked directly with me. Um, I wondered if you're if that was your experience at all.
2: No, the the challenge that that can come come across if it's you, the person who's helped this client, is that you kind of already know their story. Mm. So what ends up happening is you're kind of playing dumb. And you're like, so tell me about this thing. And you, you, you should already know that. So it kind of feel awkward. So what we like, to, like, what we like to say is, if it's you, don't play dumb. Like acknowledge that you know this thing and that you want to talk more about it. If it's your assistant or VA or whatever, then they can actually play dumb, right? Because they, they may not know these things. It's the, the thing where it gets awkward is when, you're, when you know it, and you're trying to play dumb or you don't know it and you're trying to play smart. That's kind of where like the awkward kind of conversations can come in. If your clients are saying, you know, they prefer to talk to your assistant. I, I actually, I'm not really sure why, but I would say like, how was that process set up? Right. How, what, how were they uh, like, how did that, that experience start for them? The testimonial experience, how was it framed? When was it, all those things, because I would look at that and say, like, there's probably an opportunity there to say, like, how can I make this more, uh, more, f- more fun and exciting for them mm-hmm. and allow me to still do it? Because at the end of the day, if you're being seen in these, like, let's say you're doing Zoom, which is totally fine, or Skype if you're just having a client conversation. Like, there's nothing more powerful than seeing the person, the guide, and the success story in the same frame. When it's just like this random person, it's not it's not the same as the guide and like the again going back to the movie example, like the guide and the hero, like that's that play is what makes a movie interesting. And if you remove the guide and you just have the hero and some random actor next to them, it is, it's not that same connection.
0: So go look your sleeves and do it yourself.
2: Yes. Mm. Yeah. Think, and, but- and we're working with a, uh, like we work with a wide range of clients and, and so now we're working with like a near eight figure business owner. And obviously this person has no time. But like the same question came up like, hey, can I just, he's got like 20 employees. Can I just, the answer is like, yeah, you can. You can have an employee do it, sure. But for half an hour of your time to spend with a client, right? And make them feel amazing because that's what you do in these because they get to share their journey. You make them feel amazing and they become loyal for life. They refer all their friends. They do all the things that a business owner wants. And on top of that, every single person that then sees that conversation afterwards knows how much you care because you, the business owner, the CEO, are putting time into this. For 45 minutes of your time, I'm going to challenge you and say, there's probably nothing you could be doing that's more valuable than this.
0: And, and they it want was to work with-
2: like, duh, of course, of course, I'm going to find time.
0: And they want to work with you, the business owner, because they saw you, the business owner, do that grace interview with that customer who really resonated with their struggles.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you, what if you see like Richard Branson talking about something or like a virgin employee, like which carries more weight, mm. like, even though they still believe the same thing, they operate, they do all the things like at the end of the day, it's like, there's a, a lot of weight carried by a certain person fulfilling a, a quote unquote task. Yeah. And this is like an opportunity for you to brag about your clients. And and show how much you care and how much you value them and how much transformation they've made and progress they made and all the good things that like we want all our clients to do. So it's kind of a no brainer to just do it yourself. Yeah.
0: What sorts of um, outputs do you publish in? Do you publish videos, um, audio, like how do you deal with that?
2: Ultimately it depends on the industry. So in a lot of cases you look at the, like the sales process that you have and you look at the natural objections that exist in that sales process, and you try and break those objections. And in a lot of cases, you know, video is gonna be king. It's the, not only is it like the least fakeable, it's also the most uh, connectable is what I would say. Like people can connect with it a lot more than just words and pictures. But some, some cases, some industries like privacy, legalities, like you can't do video, so it's fine. Uh, But ultimately, it's just thinking like, what is my target audience going to connect with most and where? And so whether you're selling on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, website, like YouTube, it doesn't matter. There's different platforms and understanding the psychology of the user on that platform paired with the right story is kind of where the magic happens. Mm.
0: I mean, it's, it's. I guess the modality isn't the be and end-all. I mean, I mean, you can always take a video and extract the text out of it and use it in a different format.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we say even if you're going to only use text, still have a conversation on video because mm. this, like, the power of seeing responses and body language and uh, thought allows the actual conversation to be richer. So even if you can't, like, we have some clients who are in industries where there's no way a video would ever be used, but they still have these conversations on video so that they can still have that connection and then just take the audio, transcribe it, written stories, pull quotes, social media quotes, graphics, all those things come from those videos.
0: That's great insight. Jonathan, is there anything else you want to ask before we wrap up?
1: No, I thought I'd just go back and repeat it. your question there, Rob, about uh, you know some people are not so comfortable when being interviewed by the business owner. I think when you do it Justin's way and the story is all about the client, it like it just totally removes that problem.
0: Yeah, because you, you're getting the client to talk about them, not to yeah. talk about you as well. yeah,
1: exactly
2: that can be pretty awkward. Like if, if, if you've ever gotten a request, if you're listening to this podcast and like you've ever gotten a request, like, Hey, can you shoot me a quick video testimonial? Or, or the classic thing is like, we also help like brick and mortar businesses. Google my business is a big thing that we help people with as far as like reviews and optimization. Yeah. And so there's tons of reputation management software out there where it's just like automated and faceless and like, Hey, could you leave me a review on Google? And Again, if we go back to this whole experience, like that's making it about you. As soon as you make it about them and, and why leaving a review, for example, is in their interest and or why sharing their story is in their, their interest, it's not awkward. It's not like an, again, it's not an ask, it's a give. And that, can you hear my kid up there screaming?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was, a bit, to be honest, I was a bit worried it was mine.
2: <laughs> no, it's, def- that's definitely our kid. He's, it's, uh, 4- 445. It's almost dinner time. <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you what, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. So is, is there a website just in where people can learn more about you and your work?
2: Yeah. So we have, uh, two workshops that we sell that are just kind of like on demand. And so you can find those at socialproofclub.com. One is on testimonials and one is on reviews slash Google My Business. And the whole idea is we, there's one thing to learn something and then have to figure it out, like all the, the pieces yourself. So with each workshop, we include what we call an implementation kit, which is a 50 plus page guide that says like step by step, everything we cover in this workshop, here's how you actually implement it. Here's where you find this. Here's the prompts to ask. Here's where you place this on your website, all the things that just make it really simple for people to to implement this
0: cool we will get that added into the show notes and um but yeah nick great to meet you and uh thanks so much for coming on
2: hey appreciate you guys thanks so
0: much if you found this episode helpful you can continue your education with us through our maze insider membership program it's amazing Insider, you'll get our monthly print newsletter a monthly members-only webinar, plus unlimited support from myself and Jonathan through our private Google group. Go to marketingpodcast.com forward slash insider and enter the promo code podcast at checkout for a free one-month trial.